1: Hello there, Eat Sleep Worker Pete, I'm Bruce Daisley. Early morning in France today. I'm um, out here for a bit of work and I thought that shouldn't stop me finally getting close to the end of this series. Uh, this is the penultimate episode, slight end of term feel to the next episode where you can wear your own clothes and we can bring board games in. We're just going to be wrapping up the series. Next week will be, I'm going to a business that has implemented the New Work Manifesto and I'm going to be chatting to them about their experience with it, which was fabulous. I went down to Lloyd's Bank Group and met a, a team of people who've been implementing the New Work Manifesto. So just interesting to hear firsthand how they've got on. This week's episode though is a... A masterclass, a sort of selection of different things that other companies have implemented. And so one of the things that's happened to me in the course of the last few months is people occasionally come up to me and they say, "Oh, we've been trying this out, we've tried this. And so as a result, what I did is a couple of the more interesting ones, I captured them and I'm going to share them today. So I went along and I chatted to a business called Thoughtbot. And uh, that's because I met someone called Sandra who worked there. And she explained to me that their office produces as much in four days as they used to do in five. And they use the fifth day to try new things out. And I thought that was a fascinating way to explore sort of autonomy and how we do things differently. So I was fascinated with it. I went down. Sandra set up a chat with with Laurie Young who's the development director at ThoughtBot London. Now ThoughtBot is a software design and development agency building purpose-built apps and Laurie's got a background in physics and computing, spent a long time learning software development but he's got a keen interest in how improving the way we're working so uh, so his experiment there largely was something he inherited in ThoughtBot but something they're built upon so we're going to chat there. So firstly... I asked him, what was this Friday pause? They they actually refer to it as an investment day. So what is that?
2: So an investment day is one day a week, normally on a Friday, but not always. We don't do client facing work. We work on whatever people think is the most valuable and most useful thing to work on. And that can be anything from learning a new skill, learning a new technology, to building and deploying open source software, which is a lot of what happens to practicing particular skills, interaction styles. It can be doing, in some cases, some charity outreach. The core idea is we value continuous improvement as a company, and we realize that if we're doing five days a week on client work, and the vast majority of the company by far are designers or developers, then if we say we're committed to continuous improvement, but we don't allow time for it in the schedule, then that's kind of like a nice value written on a piece of paper, but it wouldn't be real. And so it's like, okay, if we really believe that, we have to force ourselves to live up to it. And so let's carve out a time in the schedule every single week dedicated to continuous improvement, which is why it's self-directed training, groups getting together and saying, actually there's a, a part of the company here that we can work on and we can fix and we can make better. And anything else that they come up with and that's a lot to do with trust. You know, we don't try and direct the investment time in any way, shape, or form. We try and encourage people to be thoughtful about the results and the outcome, and then trust people to make sensible decisions on how to use it.
1: So let's be realistic, though. If you had this investment day, how do you just stop people doing emails?
2: I don't think that's something that we need to kind of direct too much because it's a lot of the I think of the frustration that people have during the. In the four days that they work on is there's lots of interactions and lots of distractions and there's permission I guess from both the internal expectation which is like that quite often but explicitly set with the client work we do that there won't be responses on that investment day and so it's okay to not respond and some people do spend some of the time going through the backlogs of the email uh, but we say that's if that's what they think is the most valuable thing to be doing Things like interacting with potential clients and building that up is something we don't have as a separate function, so some of the, some of the team will work on that and so they all might dedicate a quarter of their Friday to that. Apart from that, I think people are just really grateful of the opportunity to not have to do all those small tasks. The London office joined Thoughtbot two years ago. Thoughtbot has been doing investment days for several years. There was a really interesting transition about how do we switch from doing five days a week to four days a week. It feels like we're working pretty intently and pretty hard for four days. The fifth day does have a, a more relaxed, more laid back feel, but it doesn't feel like a day when no one does any work. There's definitely a lot of stuff happening. In the morning every day, um, we'll gather and we talk for five minutes about what we're working on that day. And Friday, is always people saying, right, I'm gonna you know, experiment with new, this new technique. I've been learning this particular framework. Uh, now I've got to the point where I think I understand it. So today I'm gonna build you know, a little app that will, if someone enters their postcode, tell me the weather in that area, and then they're building something real, no, that's real. And so they set aside that time for that. So it definitely feels like it's, it's a day when work is happening.
1: I guess the thing I was interested in is the fact that this felt like 20% time, you know, that old Google thing that used to, they talk about uh, having 20% time to work on anything you wanted. My experience was that really struggled to actually work in reality. So I wanted to know how people felt and, and how do they create a distinction?
2: It's definitely consciously designated, set aside as something that we can do to continually improve both ourselves and the company. And there's a lot of like, fulfillment benefit. We work on clients doing client work and we do a lot of work to try and make that as fulfilling as possible. But sometimes that's more successful than others. And so it's nice that people can have a day a week where they can say, you know what? this is a day where I can really jump into something that I find engaging and I can finish the day feeling like I've made progress on it.
1: Merging one of the things that we discussed in a previous episode, the whole Thoughtbot team have lunch together one day a week and, and Laurie mentioned what an impact that has on their culture.
2: That started in the London office, it started organically in the previous office we were in, we had one big room with a really long lunch table. We were on Exmouth Market and from about 11 o'clock, particularly in the summer when the windows were open, you could smell the smells <laughs> from all of the street food vendors and people would gradually get hungry. And then as, as soon as one person said, right, I'm going to go and get some lunch, everyone else would write me to and everyone would go get lunch. And organically, we had this feel of sit down and have lunch together every day. When we moved into this office, the kitchen is not visible from where people sit at their desks. So that started to happen less organically and again when we merged we thought but well, they already had the culture of let's set aside time on that investment day so for everyone to get together and we've, we introduced that and the company provides lunch and it's a chance for everyone to sit together and spend time talking about whatever they want to. On the Monday to Thursday we tend to have lunch often together but not always, So it's kind of sometimes yes sometimes no and often people are on a client site and they can't you know, Join in the team, so it's like that's protected time for everyone to get together. There's a second ritual that we've kind of done on a similar thing, which is we we recognise that we'd at one point got into the habit quite often on sometimes on a Friday not always of going to the pub after work and that's not necessarily good for everyone. You know, some people can't come to the pub because it doesn't match with their ethics or their faith. Some people have got families and don't want to hang around afterwards and so we set aside and we, we do this kind of organically, it happens some weeks, not others, A uh, shared agreement that from five to six, um, which is we work until six, 10 till six, we'll stop working and just hang out as a group. And so we'll tend to kind of, kind of gather out in the, in the fire area. There is beer available for people who want it, but it's not, no, you must have beer, or if you don't want to, that's fine. And that's also created like that bonding experience without having to go down to the pub. What we also try and do is once a quarter, we set aside a day as a group and we just go and do something fun. So that could be anything from going and learning chocolate making or going do a day go-karting, going out to the country and just going for a walk if the weather's good. And that's typically, we do that every quarter.
1: It's worth saying that this investment day is the day they don't work with clients. How does that work?
2: One of the side effects of having this one day a week where we don't work on clients facing work is we, we couldn't hide that from the clients if we wanted to. And that causes us to have some very direct conversations with our clients about what's the value to them and whether or not it's happening. And sometimes it makes sense for us to shift the day around. It's normally a Friday, but sometimes for various reasons it might be a different day. And we have to have that transparency and openness with the client, they have to know, otherwise it causes problems. if, If for some reason we've had to do the investment day on a Tuesday that week, and we're not clear and open with the client about that, And they decide there's an issue of some urgency on that day and they start emailing on the Tuesday and they don't get a response that's going to be a real problem so we have to be transparent about what we're doing internally with our clients which is another thing that's kind of on our list of values and we wanted to find ways of forcing ourselves to live up to that there's definitely a benefit Uh, if you ask me to provide data and back that up we it's always hard in software to like, show how much progress you're making on a week, but to the extent that we can, it backs up the idea that we're doing in four days as much as we were previously doing in five. So there's definitely, it frees up a day for people to do work that they find particularly enjoying. There's a huge psychological and um, cultural benefit. But I think there's an additional benefit, which is helping to focus, helping to get that idea of actually if you can do in four days what you could do in five. That in itself is a valuable skill and that's something we try and help our clients work through and understand. Um, Not all clients are um, looking to do four days, so it doesn't resonate so much with everyone, but that's idea of actually, we can do the same amount of work in less time, and then have more time for other things that we find valuable. It's definitely something that's happened. The only time where we had challenges were when we had ongoing projects that spanned the period when we weren't doing it to when we were doing it. And then it was a, a conversation most of the clients were like, we're a little bit sceptical but, but we'll try it, um, we're willing to try it and we didn't have any, any issues. You know, we had a few miscommunications where we'd spoken with some of the people on the client side that we worked with and the message hadn't got through to everyone on that side. But they were minor, very easily easy to address when they came up. There's definitely a more, it, inc- it demonstrates that we trust people. It demonstrates that everyone is trusted even saying we trust the people feels slightly inaccurate because that that implies a separation which doesn't really exist it does pose its challenges it's not always easy to find something productive and useful to do in a day it's not always easy to keep momentum if you if you pick something that's going to take 10 days that's 10 weeks one day a week that can be quite difficult so people have raised issues with that and it can be hard to form a group dynamic if you want to pair or working as a trio with a couple of other people to try and build something over a period of time. It's one day a week that you get to focus on that and that means that that's harder to form. So it's, it's something where you know, the core idea is continuous improvement and that applies to the, the investment day as well. It's something that some of the other offices have tried experiments with, like saying, on the investment day, actually form a team and commit trying to build something, commit to yourselves. Other offices have tried, let's leave it open and see what happens and see if something self-organizes. The trust is something that really does play into the happiness. Another thing that we've found really interesting is as the business has grown and our knowledge has expanded, we started to realize that while everyone has got a background of design and development, there's quite a lot of other things that are important. In, in running a business. Marketing, sales, strategy, there's a whole, a whole list of things that are important. And the investment day clearly gives time for people who are interested in that, in addition to doing their main job, to get experience of what's it like to run an event. Um, it's, it's actually quite difficult, there's a lot of work to do. It gives a chance to people to, to do that and gain some mastery at that, in an environment where they feel supported. And that applies just as well to the other parts of, of building a business.
1: One of the things we discussed earlier in the series was the idea of taking breaks, taking pauses, and there's this Swedish tradition called fika.
2: Laurie, explain what that is. We've, we took a, an idea, we had a, an office in Sweden for a while, and there was a Swedish cultural practice that actually spread across most of the other offices called fika. The idea is that once a day, about three o'clock, 3.30, the whole office just says, right, we're gonna take a 10, 15 minute break, and as a group, walk to a coffee shop, have a coffee and walk back. And a lot of the offices do that. We do it sometimes here. And that's another great way of just kind of crossing those, those divides.
1: Along the course of the second series, I actually, in sort of research, I chatted to someone about bring your dog to work day and bringing a dog to work day is an interesting thing because it seems superficially like people are actually given the opportunity to bring their beloved companion to work but actually what it tends to do is it forces spontaneous and unpredictable chats so it forces connections between people what happens is someone brings in a delightful little cocker spaniel and then someone wanders over and strokes it and introduces themselves there was uh, a book called why did the policeman cross the road which sort of explained that one way they got people on an estate to talk to each other they got like an 80 year old grandmother to talk to a 22 year old uh youth Was they they organized a dog show basically sort of bringing commonality spawns dialogue so i was really interested in this this sort of idea of fika because it forces people to come together
0: Thank you to Laurie
1: from ThoughtBot for that. A really interesting way for how businesses, they might hear of these ideas of autonomy or the ideas of giving people 20% time, but really fascinating to see a business that's actually making something of it. Now, uh, second discussion here is around the idea of purpose. Now, uh, you probably in your business and... In a lot of other businesses one thing that is a keen interest in right now is this idea this simon cynic idea of of why why you would do something in purpose is, is the the way that a lot of businesses describe that the idea to articulate why people should come to work and and what their objective what their purpose is now i went down and chatted to rachel bremer who's the communications director at asos ASOS is an 18-year-old British fashion website. It's an e-commerce fashion website with content behind it. And they employ about 4,000 people. Now, about 1,500 of those people were in online customer service, online chat, social media, etc., And there are about 900 in the tech team. So there's a lot of marketing people there, a lot of tech people there, a magazine. I was really interested because when I chatted to Rachel, Disclosure, I used to work with Rachel. She used to work here. Uh, running comms at Twitter. And Rachel told me about this incredible event they'd run. It just sounded like a sort of good contrast to the normal away days that we've all experienced. A how a way to bring that purpose, that why, to life, rather than just sort of bringing people together for a PowerPoint marathon. Here's my chat with Rachel.
3: Back in the early days, when ASOS was, you know, a few hundred people. Um, or even less, they would do what they called strat days, strategy days. So it was really the founder, Nick Robertson, would get everybody together. They could easily fit in one room. And it was just a touch point, kind of like an all hands really, where they would talk about what's going on, what the big priorities are for the year, just to get everybody in the company on the same page. We then got bigger and bigger and to try and accomplish that, you have to then rent out the cinema. So we did the Odeon for several years and you wanna try and cover more ground and you wanna try and make it a little bit more professional. So that leads you down the PowerPoint route and you have, you know, update from finance, update from tech, update from retail. And it started to lose, it, it kind of lost its way. So it wasn't clear what we were trying to accomplish, who we were speaking to and what the outcome that we were looking for was so we just kind of took a pause and went way back to the beginning and said okay what are we actually trying to do what do we need people to come away feeling and thinking well ASOS is kind of uh, under perpetual change so you know there it's a business always in motion growing exponentially both in terms of finances but also in terms of people and headcount And we have some big change still ahead of us. So global growth is a huge ambition. What does that look and feel like for a company that's been primarily UK focused for a lot of its history? Um, Some big technology change systems. You know, we have a whole new HR system, a new finance system. We're going to have a new retail system going in place. That all has an impact on employees. And what we wanted to do was help them understand how to cope with, that scale of change and still be excited that a lot of our best opportunities are ahead of us. So that was one of the objectives. The other was fashion with integrity and how we operate and our impact on the world around us is really important at ASOS and we've we've gone through a lot of work to define what our position is on that and what what our purpose is as a business. And so we wanted to use this as a way to communicate our purpose and what we stand for, but also the fact that we have a responsibility as a business to have a positive impact in the world, and actually, so do all of us as individuals. So how do we try and get that message across
1: right. to Right. So 4,000 people, where can you even start to
3: put that? Yes. Um, Alexander Palace. Right. <laughs> so there aren't many places. You're kind of looking at Wembley, Excel, those kinds of um, you know, huge, huge areas. Which you then start to lose a little bit of the personality. It's just kind of a big blank space. And then I think the second that they walked in and kind of saw the ambition and scale of what we had done.
1: Right, so people are walking into Ali Pali. What what do you even put on there? So is is this just you've moved from a cinema and you've got PowerPoint in Ali Pali?
3: So that was our, our creative director, John Mooney, that was a huge challenge for him and his team. And I think they working with the agency that helped us with this did an incredible job because for anyone who's been to Ali Pali, it has a very kind of dominant aesthetic you know it's not something that you can brand and kind of paper over so you have to figure out how do you get your brand in the space so that it feels like asos but you're not trying to just cover up all of what alipali is which is is you know it's not alipali does not have a consistent kind of visual look and feel i think they did a really good job of building into the space and figuring out how to do fewer things but on a massive scale and the theme was We the Curious, because our campaign in France was Live Curious, so it was kind of an evolution of that marketing campaign theme, but applied to ASOS. And you'd go in and there were just huge cutouts from our recent one of our recent fashion shoots and um, kind of a ticker tape theme throughout. And what sort of content were people seeing in there? Well, the approach that we took um, was a festival style um, structure so we had six stages and they split into both of the two themes that I talked about before so three of the areas were focused on how do you deal with kind of global growth and change and three of the other areas were focused on how can you make a change for a positive change in the world. Um, And then, so that was about six stages. People could choose anywhere from four to six sessions that they wanted to sign up for in their own order that they wanted to do them and create their own kind of mini schedule for the first half of the day. The second half of the day, we then had everyone come together and in the ASOS arena, which held 2,500 people, um, we heard from the founder, Nick Robertson, Nick Beaton, our CEO today, did a keynote speech. And that was really interestingly compared to Strat days where it was lots of execs doing different presentations on their area. Nick was really the only exec this time around who had a set piece speech. So we really focused the kind of ASOS business message through him. And it was very much about our purpose, our ambition, where are we going to be in the future? And how, how do we all need to kind of point in the same direction in order to get there? And then the finale was a great catwalk um, that we had forty models with the upcoming collections, and that was just incredible. Because again, we're you know we're a fashion retail business, so seeing the product on models in an amazing catwalk setup, it, it, people just went crazy. Right, so really
1: reminding cool. people what you do, basically. Yeah,
3: exactly. We also did the um, ASOS Aces, which is our annual company awards for employees and teams.
1: And some of these, like, I saw on the agenda you sent me. There was like. Mm. There was live poetry, there was a trans nail bar. Firstly, talk me through what a trans nail bar is.
3: This is incredible. Charlie Craggs is the most amazing person. So, Charlie is a transgender activist, and her idea is that people have questions about what it means to be transgender and just general LGBTQ topics, um, kind of more broadly speaking, and she feels that the setting of a nail bar, nail salon, where people's guards are down, you have informal conversations, you feel more comfortable asking questions, that's the perfect place to have conversations about gender identity topics and LGBTQ issues. So she sets up these nail bars and you can go, and we had we had one of these at ASOS Assembles, and people could go and get their nails done and talk to Charlie and her team and ask any questions that they might otherwise feel embarrassed or too shy to bring up. Oh, amazing. It was amazing. It's interesting,
1: isn't it, when your focus isn't on the one thing. You should do one next year, which is a game station. Mm. Men playing PlayStation. Yeah. Like, the like, similar distractible.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, and you had
1: poetry yeah. there you had, so, so, yeah. the idea of this to try and provide provocation and stimulation as well as just the company message?
3: Yes. I mean, I think that all of those things, again, we, we really were very specific about laddering up to those initial objectives that we set. So with Charlie and with the poet, so Hussein did a talk on mental health, um, and he got rave reviews. He's—he, I think you've seen him before, but he's incredibly charismatic and engaging, but has a really important message, and he was on the um, how to make a change and inspire a movement stage. So that point was all about you know what he has done in his journey to get to the point where he is now trying to have a positive impact on discussions around mental health. So it wasn't... It might have seemed like lots of disparate topics that don't really relate, but actually they all fit under our CSR pillars. Um, They all support the purpose that ASOS has, which is giving everyone the confidence to be whoever they wanna be. And they all fit one of the two objectives that we had identified at the very beginning of the process.
1: So it struck me when, it, when you explained all of it to me, it struck, it struck me that, you know, like you hear a lot of companies talking about purpose and trying to, to deli- deliver purpose. And this seemed to be a way to try and deliver it in a uh, showing as well as telling way. You mm. know, it's, it's not like just PowerPoint. It's yes. just letting people discover some of this themselves. Exactly. And And I, I was interested in. Your experience of that now when i asked you before whether this was a good way to do it to millennials you winced at the word millennial yeah. so so is it the, so firstly why did you wince at that word and, and secondly yeah. sort of i was just interested in the purpose thing
3: um why i wince at the word millennials um i just think that that word is overused and it doesn't make sense it feels fairly arbitrary to say like once you become a certain age or you're born one year you're this and you're born the next year and you're that it it doesn't i don't think it really makes sense to think about people that way. Um, Our average age at ASOS is 27. So it is a very young workforce. We have a huge percentage of people who it's their first job, which brings all kinds of different considerations and challenges. But I also think the show, Don't Tell, that you said is exactly the way that we approach everything from how we think about diversity and inclusion to how we try and communicate our purpose. It's so much more powerful if you lead by doing rather than try to tell people what you're doing and why so i mean that was that was exactly the point with asos assembles is we want to live and breathe our purpose and it should be obvious by the way we behave and what we do rather than telling everyone that this is what we think they should act like
1: and what was the outcome of the whole day you did the cinema version before. Yep. You've done something which is like far more risky. I would presume the idea of a trans nail bar and, and live poetry and, mm. and all those things, it's, it's far higher risk than just doing the cinema. Yes, I so will how say. So how did it go?
3: <laughs> Going into it the night before, I think we were all fairly nervous. Because you you know you, we've been working on this for so long and in our minds we had an incredible organizing committee internally um, that worked really, really closely and well together throughout the whole process. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why it was as successful as it was because we were able to stay laser focused on our objectives. Um, but you kind of you spend all these months and in your mind, you, you can kind of imagine what you think it's going to look like. but then the, the night before, when we're standing in you know empty alley pally waiting for everyone to arrive the next day, I think we did have butterflies. But the second people walked in the door and you could see their faces and how just impressed and excited they were. and we walked around all day just asking people, what do you think? Are you enjoying it? What's your favorite part?" And the emotion i mean that people you just don't expect that from people at a work event and how excited and moved people were and and, you know from people stopping and saying I can't believe that there's a company in the world that would do an event like this for its employees to you know I'm gonna start volunteering more in my personal life because you know the message that I heard on the the change stage had such an impact on me like you know real tangible takeaways for people I think that that was enough to convince me anyway but we then also did the official survey and asked everybody um, specific questions you know, both about did you like the event or not, um, but then also tied to the objectives that we said at the beginning. So did this help you understand how to cope with change better? Do you understand the impact that you can have in your world and the responsibility that we as a company have? And the the results were overwhelming, I think. 94% said they had a better understanding of how big and global the company can become nine and then another 94 percent said that the event helped them understand how all of us at ASOS and we each personally can make a difference in the world and 94 percent also said they liked or loved the event versus 55 percent when we did the last Strat day wow. so that's I mean that's a great wow. indication I think of
1: I'm sure I saw on, on the sheet mm. he said actually hundreds of hours of volunteer work were signed up for as well. Yes, so
3: one of the sections that we had was um, give a day away. So that's our volunteering program internally where each ASOSer has one day a year that they can not come to work and instead spend that time volunteering. Um, And what we did in one area was Basically set up, we, we, we called it a, a give a day away superstore. And it was kind of a shopping experience where you could go around and shop the different um, charities and organizations that you might be interested in donating your day to. And then you would give a pledge that you're going to give your day away to this charity. And there were 800 days Given by the end of the wow 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 wow, which was great. It's
1: massive, right?
3: It's massive, and the other one I just have to mention because it was my favorite was Streets Kitchen. So they are a homeless charity, and homeless um, helping youth homelessness is one of our CSR pillars. Streets Kitchen helps feed homeless people all around the UK. Yeah, they're the people who took
1: over Euston Station on Christmas Day.
3: Yeah, exactly. So we had a Streets Kitchen pop up at Asos Assembles where. As one of the discovery zones that you could do in your downtime, you could go and help chop onions and peel potatoes and make a meal that would then be served to homeless people in Camden near where our office is. And by the end of the day, we had made enough for 300 homeless people to have dinner that night. So, you know, it's not just talking about things, but actually doing something that has a very tangible, real impact. I don't think this is the kind of event in this exact way that you need to do every okay. single yeah, year. That makes sense. Um, we would want to you know, do it bigger and better, of course, so how do you top that if you're doing it every 12 months? I think um, the way we approach everything, and, and with a company that's growing and changing as constantly as ASOS is, you have to really almost start over every year. So what was right for us and what was needed this year might not be the same next year. And if we just try and continue doing what we've done because it's what we did in the past. You know, that's how we ended up with those strat days that yeah. weren't resonating with any anyone. So between all of us, I think we had a little bit of bravery in numbers. Um, but as we got into it, we knew from the beginning we didn't just want this to be people standing on stage with PowerPoints. So if you accept that that's not the route you're going down, you then have to think, okay, well, what, what are the other alternatives? And that really leads you into this, Personalized experience. Each individual chooses their own path, and you know that also helps with the challenge that we have of what an entry level buyer in retail wants from their day is not going to be the same as what a you know software developer wants from their day. Right. How do you try and create something that is flexible enough that it can appeal to such? varying degrees of both levels of seniority but also interest and um, you know work roles that they have. It was a little bit like once we were there we knew that if we're going to do it we have to do, go big otherwise it falls flat and I think everybody in the, on the organizing committee felt that way and we knew if we're going to take a risk and do this it's kind of an all-or-nothing situation. We were definitely relieved when we saw everyone come in and how excited they were. One conversation was, do you try and have content specifically tailored to different parts of the organization? So are there tech topics and retail topics and marketing topics? And we didn't do that. And I think by actually taking it up to a higher level that on and, and focusing on things like growth of ASOS as a business, dealing with change, making a difference in the world, those are relevant no matter who you are and what part of the business you're working in because of the kind of people that we hire at ASOS. And that's, those are the kinds of things they care about. So I think we kind of transcended the challenge of tailoring content to fit different parts of the organization. And we didn't, we didn't really go down that route. Um, we did have some things that were more tech focused, I guess, like the future face-off stage that we had where we had two futurists coming to debate what uh, the world in 2020 might look like, for example. So what might retail look like in the future? What might VR look like in the future? And they they had different opinions and would debate each other. So that was loosely about technology, but it wasn't here's our tech roadmap and this is what we're building. You know, we, we just we chose a different approach. So thank you for
1: listening. That's the penultimate episode. We're back for one more episode next week, which is, like I say, I went down to meet a, a wonderful guy called Tom Kagodi, who uh, works at Lloyds Bank Group who, who talked through how they'd implemented the New Work Manifesto. If you've not seen the New Work Manifesto, it's something I created with Sue Todd she's my co-creator and we we effectively created eight changes that anyone can bring to their working life on that vein uh, after the series finishes i'm just finishing a book which is uh, sort of 25 suggestions of how to improve your own work culture your own work life and your your own working day so uh so i'm going to be getting that finished and completed over the summer Thanks for listening. I always look forward to hearing your criticisms and comments on LinkedIn. So feel free to hit me up there. I'm Bruce Taisley. Cheerio. Bye.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.